This week on Out Now with Aaron and Aaron, we are talking Reminiscence. What's that movie again? Do you remember the time? We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hi! Hello, 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 hello. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies via mostly spoiler-free review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 465. 465. Perfect for the movie that we're going to go after. 465. Or is it 564? That's the power of memory? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and this week we are talking Reminiscence, the the sci-fi noir starring Hugh Jackman that was devoured at the box office this weekend. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Joining us to discuss Reminiscence, we have, from Cal State Fulgerton, he just got a pair of rain boots to be ready for whatever's next. It's Professor Mike Dillon. Hello, hello. How Reminiscence, is that, Mike? Reminiscence, is that what we're discussing? Yes, that that is the that is the okay. show that you volunteered to be on. Yes, that is what we're discussing. <laughs> I I'm couldn't. glad that you remember. You recall it. Yes, he, I he, couldn't recall. He did. He did hey, recall. Yeah. I am just happy to be on with Abe since he's been ducking me all year. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, Aaron, you did. You did talk Magic Beach year. with us. Magic. He, he's like, Dylan's the guest today. I better go find an emergency. Yeah, I better get out of here. I don't. I don't feel like. Guy. I don't want to feel like. I don't want to like hear about marxism today you know <laughs> i don't want to talk to one of the nicer guests that we've ever had on this show <laughs> he's already on it we don't need he's already on the show you don't need to butter him up anymore at this point. <laughs> abe are you all right you're not being abused or anything no no wink wink <laughs> uh. mike it is good uh, to have you back here yeah, you were just on to uh, talk magic beach with us a few weeks back let alone snake eyes of course another future classic of course. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get to some show notes here before we get into all things concerning memory. Uh, let's see. First up, a new commentary track. We recorded a commentary track for 1992's Candyman, which Uh-oh. has the Ooh. new sequel soft reboot coming up this week. But if you want to hear all about what we had to say about the original Candyman, uh, guests Brandon Peters, Scott Mendelson, and Yancey Burns were all on hand to talk all about Candyman with us. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of Candyman trivia, and one more time, Candyman. So, uh, yeah, that's... Was that four <laughs> or was that five? I that was five. Talk. That's why I said one more time. That was... Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, we uh, talked all about it. Had a lot of fun. It's up there now. Uh, you can hear that commentary, and uh, you can find all the commentaries and everything Aaron, I do. hear some buzzing around your microphone. <laughs> Are you... Just tell us if you're going to be okay. Oh, no, that's just Jeff Goldblum. Uh, so yeah, oh. no, we're, we're, doing, we're doing all right over here. But uh, yeah, you can find that commentary and everything else to do over You're telling me... Huh? You cut out. What? I said, you're telling me his brains weren't blown out at the end of that movie? He's still alive? Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's yeah, it's Fly 3. It's a legacy sequel. So everybody survives mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. Everybody's back. Uh, and uh, even um, uh, even uh, John Getz has his, his hand back. He got two back again. So it all works out. Yeah. Blood's not so simple now, is it? Uh, uh, all right. So what I was saying about iTunes? Well, you can find all of this silliness over there. You can log, find our show. You can give us a rating review, which would be awesome. So much in advance. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, summer. You movie. guys are so wacky. <laughs> summer. This summer, is what you're missing a, out on. Such a, such a zany podcast. 
Zany <laughs> 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 movie podcast. The summer movie gamble uh, is still mm-hmm. going. We still got about a month left. A little less, less than a month. That like a week less than a month left. So we got like three, yeah. three, three and a half weeks left. Um, be like the end of August, man. Well, no, because we're going a little late this year to uh, to account for things. We're going like three mm-hmm. weeks into three three weeks into September for a change to, to adjust appropriately right. for Shang Chi, basically. Uh, but yeah, we we have Abe and I, along with many other regular guests on the show, have all predicted what we think are be the top ten highest grossing films of the summer at the worldwide box office. And uh, yeah, we are. It's starting to get. I'm starting to look at the competition and see what things are actually looking like. And things are uh, well, pretty dire for one thing, because the box office is obviously not at its peak. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of things in play, including this week where we had a few new entries. I think rightfully no one predicted Reminiscence would um, be uh, entering the lists. But Abe, do you know the numbers offhand? Do you know what Reminiscence made this weekend? For Reminiscence, I yeah. don't know the numbers offhand. Okay, what do you want to hold on? Hold on. Do you do you do you want to guess? No, I know what they are. I want you to. Oh, I, want you, I want you to tell me what you think Reminiscence made in its opening weekend. For box office. For box US. office. U.S. Uh, four million six hundred fifty thousand. Uh, four hundred four four million six hundred fifty million dollars. Four, six, five. No, it didn't make that. No. It made less okay. than that. It made two what? million dollars. No way. Oh. And I thought I was going low. It made two million dollars this weekend. I mean, you know that that's. <laughs> it's very low. Uh, that's the that's the end of that sentence. Dollars. <laughs> it, it uh yeah it did not benefit from uh, a lack of any kind of buzz whatsoever. That's what happened there. So yeah, reminiscence came in at number in ninth place. Not that rank really matters, but two million. Um, one of the lowest for Warner Brothers is. Do you think that releases. Hugh Jackman is just like having like a glass of whiskey, looking at the claws again? He's I, like, uh, I, I don't think he's that concerned on. with these kind of things. Um, <laughs> but uh, that makes me laugh. No sequel for you. I feel like the movie's pretty Still closed off in that regard, but okay. <laughs> but, um, uh, that said, Free Guy number one twice in a row, uh, eighteen million this week, number one at the box office again. Um, Certainly uh, doing its job. Ryan Reynolds? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's doing its job. And I've been looking at the charts. A lot of us had it mostly in the Dark Horse section. Some of us had it in our top ten. But it's going to it's gonna enter into that top ten, I think, by the end of the summer. More than some of the other movies that some of us have predicted here. Uh, speaking of which, Paw Patrol also debuted yes. this week and made it have been a neat $13 million, um, just $13 here. $13 million? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, good enough for number, I want to say, I forget the ranking, but whatever. Uh, regardless, I don't know what the world, what like the appeal worldwide is for Paw Patrol if there is any, but uh, I mean it's out. Yeah, people yeah. chose to see that a lot more than they chose to see the other three new releases that came out this week. So there you are. And uh, okay, so that's our summer gamble recap, real quick. I there. guess the takeaway from that is kids love movies. Uh, some kids do. I mean, 13 is not that high either, but I mean, yeah, they they liked it enough. Something reminiscent. Yeah, the kid. Yeah, the the kid. Mar- the Nickelodeon ads for reminiscences were just too confusing. I think that was the problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so let's move on to the other thing. Our summer movie contest. Yes. Uh, the past several weeks, I've tried to reiterate the fact that we have a summer movie contest going, where you can pick your. You just have to ent- submit your uh, favorite movie quote from a summer movie, which was mm-hmm. fairly straightforward. And now that contest has come to an end, and I have two winners, one of which is going to win a Blu-ray copy of Do the Right Thing, the Criterion Edition, and the other is going to win a 4K copy of Do the Right Thing. On So uh, here we go. The the winners are uh, Fabian, please. That's his Fabian? Inst- that's his Instagram yes. handle. 
Um, he entered on Instagram at our Instagram page, Instagram.com slash on a podcast. I don't know, underscore podcast. Uh, he, with his quote was, uh, we're going to need a bigger boat. I don't know what movie that's from. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's from Jaws, of course. And Probably Titanic, uh, right? Oh, mm-hmm. not Titanic. All right. <laughs> and the other winner is Irene Johnson. Irene, yeah. Uh, she submitted on our Facebook page. And the quote she has is, Many shubs and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the depths of slar that day, I can tell you. Now, that quote, pretty good. Yeah. More obscure from Ghostbusters than, than average, one would say, as far as that goes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, they are the winners of the Do the Right Thing Summer Movie Contest. And uh, yeah, we'll be uh, figuring all that out as far as getting the Yeah, well, congrats, Fabian and Irene. And uh, we'll be sure to do more contests, because there's plenty of stuff for me to get rid of off the I mean, you know, it's not as though you desk. get things all the time in the mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so yeah, that's our summer contest. We'll move on now. Uh, let's move on to let's move on to some quiz. Good mark. Each week now we will move to some of the cookies. Good mark. All right. Uh, Mike, I, I heard cookies at the end. I can't be sure, though. I'm a little hungry. Uh, Mike, okay, let's right. start with you. What have other movies have you seen recently? I haven't seen much. Um, it's been a slow week. I saw The Night House. Yeah? How'd that go? Uh, you know, it didn't do much for me. Mm. Um, it, it, I didn't like it. I liked it, but I didn't love it as much as the reviews have been gushing over it so i found myself not in step with them i thought it it's it's sufficiently spooky in a few parts but overall i don't know that it did a whole lot for me i saw mm-hmm. the nighthouse too and i largely agree with you it's it's less that it did like i think the nighthouse two that was fast yeah lighthouse two is great <laughs> um electric boogaloo yeah, the the scene where what a weird title for this for this thriller. It was weird that they got um uh uh Taylor uh, Taylor um what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like uh, I know the I know who you're talking about. <laughs> what's his name? Um, uh, Jacob. What's his name? Taylor um Lautner and um and Tom Berenger to be the stars of the Lighthouse too. But I mean they they made their choice and there you go. Uh no, I saw the Nighthouse as well and um. I uh, yeah I I think the atmosphere was there and I think Rebecca Hall's very good in it but it feels yeah, like a movie she, she anchors it she does and David David Bruckner the director he did the Ritual also among other things uh, okay. he he does have I like how he didn't try to there's less cliche stuff than I figured there might be in something like this which makes sense since it's a searchlight movie as opposed to like a screen gems horror movie uh, it just feels like by the end it ran out of story and it just kind of stopped. Like that's kind of, like that was kind of my issue. It's like, all right, like that that's that then. Like that's, that's when the credits came out. That was kind of my thought. So yeah, I had that problem as well. I think he does because the ritual is pretty great and he does atmosphere pretty well. Uh huh. But at at the end, by the end, I didn't really feel it added up to a whole lot. I, um, yeah, he does like so, he's yeah. like like I, sur- like surreal dream atmosphere. I think he's pretty good at because that's hmm. there's similar stuff in like the in in ritual as well as far as wait he directed reminiscence no. We're talking about the Dude. night house no i know just talking about surreal dreams okay <laughs> well those are memories Come on! there's nothing they're surreal memories. or dreamlike they're about memories. it they're memories <laughs> this is an inception <laughs> <laughs> the mind isn't the scene of the crime <laughs> exactly what else you see mike um 
I don't, this isn't recent anymore, but I saw The Last Mercenary on Netflix, which is the new Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Action comedy. Um, is that any good? Also not good. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, the thing is, I, I, might I really do like, watching. I, I like old man Van Damme. I think sort of post JCVD Van Damme, where he's, he's often more self deprecating and he, he can be quite funny and charming in stuff like this. But in this film, which is a comedy, it's just a little too broad. It doesn't quite capitalize. Mm-hmm. So I was let down. But but I'm I remain I think a bigger fan of Van Damme now than I've ever been like throughout the 90s certainly. So well like I keep thinking like JCVD was going to lead to more. Like you say you like post JCVD old man Van Damme. That's a lot. Um, I I I would agree except I don't have many examples of post JCVD old man Van Damme to have to concern myself with as far as what 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 proof goes with that. You're right and that film was not it didn't signal the resurgence that it clearly should have given how mm-hmm. good JCVD I think is but yeah. you know he he's he's popping up in not many things, but but more comedies. He's taking on more sort for of sure. Yeah, the things he does pop up in comedy, comedic yeah, things, which are yeah, they're not like straight up action movies like before that. So, but also like '90s Van Damme is very self serious. It is. That's what, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so this new phase, even though he's not prolific, uh, you know, th- there's a charm to it that I really appreciate. But this one, yeah can't really recommend it. Like he's fine in what Expendables two as the villain because he's. He's mm-hmm. he's 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 playing it pretty arch in that movie, so it's like yeah, yeah I, right. I I get what the point is for having. He also him there. kills that Hemsworth brother right away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right away. The, my third favorite Hemsworth, exactly. <laughs> uh, you better then, put a ring uh, on that girl and marry her. It's not gonna happen. You really long. remember Expendables too, a lot more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> it was a, it was only the helicopter ride, and that was it. Uh, and then I saw one more that I want to recommend, actually, <laughs> even though it's not new. It's from a year ago. It's a Korean crime thriller that I came across called Beasts Clawing at Straws. Do either of you know this title? Who's No, who's in that? Or is anyone in, anyone of note? Uh, no, I don't think. I mean, I don't know their names. But it's a crime thriller slash dark comedy uh, about sort of an interconnected group of sort of criminals and low lives and one of them finds a uh, a bag full of money mm-hmm. and it all kind of fans out from there so it's very coen brothers-esque and i thought it was pretty enjoyable i recommend checking it out it's on hulu okay great that's it that's all i've seen hey how about you what have you seen recently uh on the uh, cool hand luke front nope no no new minutes <sighs> um i did watch uh what if uh the marvel animated series I I watched episode two because episode one I, I guess that they're they're not really tied to each other so I just watched episode two because people were making a, a fuss over it and I I did enjoy it I was like oh it's cool that they're keeping the spirit of T'Challa as a good human being but just on a different pathway and I was like oh this is this is nice uh, obviously that little um, uh, tribute thank you at the end there kind of got me a little bit. Uh, wasn't really expecting that, but that was nice. Um, I then, uh, I very much uh-huh. agree with you on this front. I, I I feel like I liked episode one more than most because I mm-hmm. well we're big fans of First Avenger on this podcast, so it's oh like, yes, yeah, doing more of that, cool. I'm into that. But that said, episode two blew it away. Like I, <laughs> episode two is so good, yeah. Um, it, which involves yeah T'Challa becoming one of the guardians of the gal, like the guard becoming Star Lord, Star Lord. And yeah. what I think really helps is that the the you know. 
most of them are, most of the actors come back some are just sound alikes um mm-hmm. but like you have chadwick boseman obviously but you also have like josh brolin coming in and the the, the biggest surprise jaimon hansu is hilarious in that episode he, yeah he's great um yeah. but I, I really liked what they did as far as the kind of what if avenue like how right. that shaped things differently i thought that was a really really yeah, clever and, and... episode because I had seen like a little bit of of uh, episode one because I started it but I didn't finish it. Classic Abe, um, exactly. and uh, and it was just like okay, cool. Well, it's just Peggy Carter being Captain America, kind of like taking on the role of Steve Rogers. And then episode two, I was like, oh, I, I this is really uh, it's a it's an interesting way to to put the character. Like again, I was just gonna think like, oh, T'Challa is gonna be like Star Lord. Uh, jerk star lord or you know playboy star lord it's like no he's good-hearted good man t'challa just living in space yeah and i was like oh that's nice um i also i talked to you about this uh last week as well but i watched uh one car wise fallen angels uh which is kind of like the the yin and the yang to um chunking, chunking express, express. Mm-hmm. yeah and um you know it is darker a lot of like the same themes. Literally, in terms it takes of, like, place all at night, I believe. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know the, a lot more killing, less upbeat you know, music from the mamas and the papas and mm-hmm. and Fei Wong, but um, it's it still holds as a a look into like a vignette look into just Hong Kong at that time and you know like I, I think it's like it, it because it's not as lighthearted fun. Uh, it doesn't feel as though it moves as quickly, but it's still like very short. You and I were talking about this too. Like it's very short. Like these movies are like an hour and forty some odd minutes. Maybe sometimes like an hour and thirty some yeah, odd he minutes. He doesn't tend to pad these very much. <laughs> right, but they're just so dense, mm-hmm. and which is great. Um, but yes, yeah, that's uh, what I've been up to. Mike, are you uh, are you a Wong? I assume you're a Wong Kar Wai fan to some degree. Do you have a favorite Wong? Um, Happy Together. Yeah, Happy Together. Yeah, yeah. I watched that one for the I first think it's time. My favorite. Watched that for the first time not too long ago, like a couple weeks ago, and I, I just watched. In the, I've been going through the, the box set on Criterion, mm-hmm. and, and a, we we separately decided we decided to want to watch one of our white movies, so I've <laughs> been doing these in this unofficial just, uh, period. Right. Um, but yeah, I just watched next it. we'll move on to Edward Yang after this. Exactly. But I, I watched In the Mood for Love again, which mm-hmm. is just phenomenal. <laughs> um, yeah, that one's exquisite too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's it, Abe. All right, uh, I've seen a few things, uh, including a number of the new releases of the week. First is Demonic. This is the newest film from Neil Blomkamp, um, of course, director of District 9, who followed it up with less than stellar films, Elysium, and, of course, Chappie. Um, this Chappie. Was, this was him being like, I guess we're locked down, so I'm in Canada. I'm just going to make a movie on my own with, like, four people uh, for cheap. And uh, it's, it's still not very good, and that's unfortunate. Um, I... I feel like when Neil Blomkamp comes out with things or like he's in the news, it seems like people want to pile onto him. And I, I just don't quite get why I get, I get that his films aren't very good after district nine. Even some people don't like district nine for some reason. I think it's pretty, so still pretty great, but it's like the guys trying to deliver like original stuff with unconventional casting and like doing things a different kind of way. And it's like, okay. So I, I still like I want to root for him, maybe not as hard as some other directors, but I want him to succeed in something. And it's just kind of a shame that he keeps not delivering on much promise. But this one, this horror movie, Demonic, conceptually, there's a neat idea there. It's basically the cell as far as having a kind of a mind machine that can link two people together and one can go in somebody else's subconscious and try to you know talk them out of something, what have you. 
it mm-hmm. just doesn't lead to much but much like the like the night house honestly except the night house is at least you know good this is just kind of it it, it feels lacking in a lot of areas and um I, I was hoping this could be like a palate cleanser for Blomkamp, but he can do something else, which apparently is going to be District 10, so we'll see what happens there. But mm-hmm. yeah, just not much going on. Where, where'd you catch that one? Uh, I had a screener, but I know it's available. Oh. It, it's, it was in like limited release in theaters, and it's on digital, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, know it's yeah. av- I know it's available on streaming in some capacity. I believe it's on digital, like as for like rental. Okay. Um, the other films that I saw, one is Sweet Girl. This is the new Jason Momoa Netflix film starring him, yeah. him and Isabel, Isabel Merced. Um, this movie, <laughs> this is a weird one to talk about. It's not quite good, but it's it's perfectly sufficient for Netflix. But there's like, there's things that happen towards the end of it where you're like, oh, that's a choice. Like that's that's a thing they did, <laughs> and so it's like it's basically a, you, you've piqued my interest. It's basically like it's the fugitive mixed with like a revenge thriller type thing, which I guess he didn't kill his wife. I guess fugitive kind of is, or well, no. So his wife has cancer, she dies, and it's him and his daughter, and they're just mm-hmm. trying to live, and like, and it's it has to do with like far, the pharmaceutical industry. It's trying to take down the there's like the you know the big wigs and politicians or whatnot. It's like has this like this view on the way things happen with big business and mm-hmm. that becomes like a main point of what's going so i guess it is kind of like the future <laughs> well, but um but you know momo is a big guy so he gets it so instead of like being a smart film that occasionally has you know chases or whatnot this is like momo is in it so that means we have to have fights every so often so he, you know he's momoa so he gets into big fights with people there's but it, like because his daughter is with him it it makes for like it's hard it's hard to be because like the most interesting thing about the film is like how it incorporates certain things so it's like how it incorporates the daughter um but it like it's not great it's not even that good but i mean it does what it needs to as far as being a movie you can watch easily on netflix while having like an extra little boost of something just because you're like oh now i have thoughts on this afterwards as opposed to well i saw that so it's like that's that's kind of where i'm at with it (laughs) got it uh let's see two more um, what a review. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> um, two more. One is Vacation Friends. This is yet another Lil Rel Howery movie. <laughs> oh, all right. He, this is coming to Hulu next week. He and Yvonne Orgy, uh, who I believe is, she's, she's a co-star on Insecure, uh, they are going on vacation in, I don't know, Mexico. They're going to Mexico. I was like, is it an island? No, it's Mexico. Um the room like gets whatever messed up. So John Cena and uh, Meredith Meredith Hanger, um, they are they're like this like extreme couple where they like just want to like have a giant big vacation and do whatever they want to and act crazy. They they run into them and they all become basically friends and they have them stay in the room or whatnot. And the vacation ends and how like they go back home and then like a year later like the crazy couple meets them again when they're about to get married it's like oh my god like our crazy friends found us so now we have to deal with this it's like a really silly nonsense comedy but you know what it's it's funny like it made me laugh <laughs> like john, john cena's playing okay. my preferred type absolute goofball and Lil Rel howry i t- continue to enjoy things so you know what for a for a hulu release uh it's coming out not bad does the job <laughs> i thought it was funny <laughs> last thing the best thing that I've seen, the protege. Um, this, oh, is this, it good? 
I like this movie a lot more than I expected to. I'm not going to say like, man, this is amazing. You can't miss this. But I do recommend it because I think the story is smarter than it necessarily needed to be. Or at least mm-hmm. gave me enough to think, oh, okay, th- that's a neat wrinkle in this. It's Maggie Q as an assassin. Sam Jackson found her when she was young. He's a master assassin. He trained her to be a killer because he saw it in her eyes. It's like this, That's actually just, just his real life, by yeah. the way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's like if like um, Leon the Professional got Matilda and he didn't die and they just grew up being assassins together. Like That's like the, that's like the, the setup of the film. <laughs> you've, you've, you've actually just... Pitched a really good movie. It's like it's Hopefully surprising without the incest overtones. But... It's it, 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 there's not, but it's surprisingly like not not incest. Sorry, pedophilia. That's yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, it's surprisingly not like a napkin written Luc Besson script, though it it completely could have been. Like it feels like <laughs> it could have been an easily like a Eurocore production, but it's not one of those. Um, but regardless, so you know she's like she's a killer. Jackson early we you know we established their rapport but early on he gets killed so now he's like I gotta find out who did this and so now you have Michael Keaton co-starring in this not as by like, the way Aaron, Aaron's not spoiling that's in the trailer that's in the trailer I know I, I know how to talk about these things uh, Michael Keaton he's not the heavy which I completely thought he was I figured it's like okay Michael Keaton's in this also he must be like the the big bad he's just like the in between guy he, he's like the guy that's like that works for the main heavy. And he and Maggie Q get to this, like, cat-and-mouse-type situation that takes turns that, again, I just didn't quite see coming. It's directed by Martin Campbell, who did two great James Bond movies and Mask of Zorro, among other things. And that at least means, okay, yeah, the action's pretty good. So between, like, good action, a script that's not absolutely horrible, for a late-summer action movie that's rated R because of a lot of violence that occurs... It's pretty solid. I, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. So, yeah, The Protégé. It, uh, it, it does the Solid, job. solid uh, genre film, sounds like. Solid genre film. Again, because I feel like what I the enthusiasm I have for this, I feel like it's going to oversell this. But I just I think it's just better than what I expected it to do. It just it, it does the job well. Mainly because yeah, How did it fare? How did its box office fare compared to, like, Reminiscence? Oh, it, well, it made 2.4-something. No, it made more. It made, like, 0.4, it made like 400,000 more than Reminiscence wow. this weekend. So, might be even higher. Might be like throw, I know it's higher than Reminiscence. I believe it's, like, something else. But, but yeah. It, Michael Keaton's still selling tickets. Michael Keaton, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's what it is. And no, he's like, great. Maybe, he's gonna tease, maybe he's, he'll tease the Batman. Yeah, it's 2.9. So, you know, <laughs> almost broke the three realm. Um, even the Nighthouse did better than Reminiscence. Like Reminiscence did bad, guys. Like to the uh, point of we shouldn't be talking about this movie because nobody saw this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We've talked about six other things that everyone can go see. Exactly. Which also means that we can spoil the hell out of Reminiscence because nobody's watching it. Because nobody's gonna care. <laughs> we could talk about something like more pleasant instead, like Afghanistan. You know, just <laughs> anything but Reminiscence. Well, let's move on from Mount Nuckwins. We are men of our word. We have to do it. Uh, <laughs> that, that was Mount Trademark. Let's move on from there. Let's go to our trailer talk. We're talking about the news movie trailers of the week. Uh, this week, And when it's coming out, what we thought of and what have you. This week, we're talking the, count, the card counter. This is the upcoming new Paul Schrader film. He wrote and directed. And once again, it says Martin Scorsese presents, which I always found cur- I always find curious because that means yeah, well, it's not like a producer. That just means like he put his name on it in some capacity. It's and, like, yeah, okay. And it's Paul Schrader, so like they're it, best friends. So. Martin Scorsese basically thinks you should see this movie. That's what presents means, right? Hey, yeah. uh, Marty, check this one out. My, fr- my friend Paul, who wrote a couple movies I did, you know, he made another one. You should go watch. 
Uh, but this presents stuff, just means it endorses. Yeah, although he's like an executive producer technically on this, as opposed, but he's not like a producer. This does not matter. This <laughs> movie directed by, <laughs> written by Paul Schrader. It stars Oscar Isaac, uh, Ty Sheridan, Tiffany Haddish, and Willem Dafoe. It tells the story of Oscar Isaac as a ex-military interrogator, I believe, who's who's become a gambler and is now haunted by like his past uh, because of like things that I, I'm assuming Willem Dafoe did to him while they're right. like in service together. With the fisheye lens. Uh-huh. Ty Sheridan plays like a knockoff Tom Cruise from The Color of Money, and uh, Tiffany Hatch is there as a love interest. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Abe. Mike, I know you're recusing yourself from the trailer, but Abe, what did you think for the trailer of the card counter? Uh, you know, it, it seems very thick and thick with a lot of twists and turns and plot lines and crosses, double crosses, triple crosses, quadruple crosses, quintuple crosses. I don't know, but there's just a lot there. And when I'm when I look at this cast, I'm like, hey, cool. Yeah, I, I really like a lot of these people here. And I, I like Paul Schrader. He kind of does like these kind of think movies sometimes. Uh, so I'm curious to see what happens here, but it also looks a little bit off the rails. Like, you know, there's scenes where we're blood in mouth and looking crazy and Willem Dafoe with a vest on and, you know, beating people up in prison. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. It feels crazy. Uh, but I I guess overall I'm going to go see it because we're we're probably going to talk about it. But um, <laughs> we'll I'm, I'm not super thrilled about it. <laughs> um. I mean, I like Paul Schrader in general, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, other movies he's directed recently. I mean, the last thing he did was First Reformed, which was First excellent. Um, but, like, his, his direct... It's, like, off and on, um, as far as, like, how yeah. good some of his directed features are. Obviously, he has many... He's written many classics, but, I mean, many of those are written... In written-only form are from, like, over 15 years ago. This, over yeah, 20 like, years ago at this point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I think Bringing Out directed the Dead... by his buddy Marty. Yeah, I think Bringing Out the Dead, a movie I absolutely love, is... 1999 so that and that's, that's like the last movie he only wrote uh regardless uh, i i am a big fan of oscar isaac so the idea of him mm-hmm. leading a movie such as this too with the kind of the con the like the story it's going for i am curious i'm also curious mm-hmm. that it's a seemingly more mainstream schrader film than normal it seems like it's going for something a little bit more accessible um if that's purely marketing then i guess good job but i mean you know you gotta cast here that's solid enough you got paul schrader trying to do something seems seeming a little different i'm i'm in, I'm, I'm interested and uh we'll, we'll see if it delivers mm-hmm. uh the card counter open well it premieres at the venice film festival in september but it opens in theaters mm-hmm. a week later after its premiere on september 10th so uh yeah we'll see there you go all right mike i know you've been waiting patiently so now here you go you get a chance to talk about our main review our movie of the week Reminiscence. You're going on a journey. A journey through memory. All you have to do is follow my voice. We're closed. I know. I'm sorry it's late. We have time for one more job. began to rise and war broke out. Nostalgia became a way of life. There wasn't a lot to look forward to. So people began looking back. 
Nothing is more addictive than the past. No, 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 put me back. Put me back. I understand. She's moved on, and you should too. People don't just vanish. To find where she'd gone, I had to know where she'd been. Was she running from the past? Or racing back towards it? How much did you really know her? How much did you love her? Who was she? Who was she when not with me? You think you want answers? Well, you don't. Where is she? Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Reminiscence. Set in a future Miami where the Earth has been affected enough by climate change to have the population dealing with rising sea levels and higher temperatures to the point of being easy, it being easier for people to go outside at night, Hugh Jackman stars as Nick Bannister the proprietor of a business that allows him to dig into people's memories. He and his girl Friday, Watts, played by Andy Newton, occasionally work with the cops as well, which becomes complicated when May, played by Rebecca Ferguson, the mysterious woman Nick fell hard for, becomes a factor in a mystery in need of solving. Will digging through various memories help Nick understand the truth, or will he get lost in nostalgia? The film is directed and written by Lisa Joy, who co-created Westworld with her husband, Chris, uh, Jonathan Nolan. Um, Mike, I'm very curious. What did you think of Reminiscence? Yes. I I thought your little spiel there was more coherent than the movie I watched. <laughs> um, like, I'm not going to mince words. This movie's lousy. It's a lousy movie. I didn't have high expectations going in based on the reviews and all the, the overall chatter around it. Um, I was kind of expecting it to be sort of unambiguously mediocre, you know? uh at best but what i didn't expect was for it to be so incompetent um so yeah just first it's it's really just an assemblage of earlier better films both from sci-fi and from film noir mm-hmm. uh, the plot is essentially just like reverse chinatown and there's also allusions to vertigo and maltese falcon inception etc um i my, my main problem as a as a initial thought is just how the storytelling is really overplotted and messy and it's held together by this really grating and repetitive slog of voiceover narration from Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I can't I can't even remember the last contemporary film I've seen that relied on narration um this much and all it really does is frame the the story in this sort of pseudo philosophical musings about the nature of time and memory. And the resulting film is completely humorless and ponderous and self-serious and so i mean i have a lot more to say about that but like where do you guys stand on this narration mm, i'm kind of with you i think there's too much of it and also it kind of like uses it as a uh, a huge uh, crutch for exposition i'm not too down on it as far as the use in general i'm down on it because well the lack yeah you're you're not wrong as far as the humorless part of it but also it's just so it is very ponderous it's very mm-hmm. it, it's not just like if you want to think of it, it's just exposition, and it's like hard-boiled, given the noir aesthetic that they're going for. But so much of it is just like a dream, and then like, you know, dot, 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 fill in the blank with whatever rumination that just doesn't really apply to anything. It just seems like something flowery to write in a screenplay. So it's just like, it's like <laughs> okay, thank you for that, I guess. Another one of these little soliloquies as we watch you paddle your way to some other part of Miami. <laughs> Is he paddling? It's a it's a motorized boat. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> uh, were you done for now, Mike, or you wanted to 
expand some more? Expand. I think um, this whole movie looks like it smells damp. That's a good way to wrap up for now. Abe, (laughs) what are your thoughts on Reminiscence? Reminiscence is uh, what you guys are describing as this noir movie around, like, uh, I guess a futuristic noir movie centered around a mystery around, you know, a femme fatale and a a series of folks that you learn more and more about and pieces of a puzzle that you're supposed to put together. And I'm sure at one point Lisa Joy and uh, Jonathan Nolan were like, you know, your brother made Inception. Let's make a movie that's more uh, upbeat and happier at at the end of it. Um, And I don't know if they really achieved it because as much as this movie has in terms of an idea or, you know, the concept of how we should view memories, how we should view time, how we should view lost loves or how we should view lives. It's just really boring. Like it's, there's just nothing about it that makes you feel as though there's some energy here in, in the characters, what they're saying and the set pieces and the action. It's also like a world that just doesn't really give me anything. Um, Like it doesn't feel lived in. It doesn't, it, they're supposed to be going across multiple states at one point and it's just an immediate cut or just like him doing a voice voiceover like what we just described not only that but i mean like we're supposed to think that miami is just underwater but it feels as though they're really just like in two locations and it just it never really felt as though yeah the world is just a terrible place now and and only the rich people can live on you know uh Trinium island uh but it I think ultimately it also just isn't a movie that executed well on what it was trying to perhaps accomplish. And if they were just trying to go for like a fun movie where there was just like cool ideas from all these movies that they did like in the past, it still doesn't really execute on it because I I found the the overarching underlying um mystery to just be like this is this was d- better done in jack reacher <laughs> like for for fewer uh stakes and also like just it made more sense in a movie like that where it's just like it's a business proposition um and so overall it's just not a movie that i would say is all that interesting which is kind of a bummer because you know these two minds here have have created some of the the better items on westworld and um i think that what they were trying to make here probably would have worked if it was just more of, if it was a tighter script, maybe a tighter location, maybe if they, they had uh, played up some of the factors. I mean, we're talking about noir stuff. Brick is a, is an excellent movie and that takes place all in orange County. And that that's more compelling than this movie. Can I jump in as well? Just to, okay. add to sure. what Abe is saying, um, because I, I don't know if they would agree, but what was so frustrating to me is that I don't think there were any ideas in this film that couldn't have worked in a better movie. Like all of the ingredients here in better hands mm-hmm. might have been great. Like there's a, there's, you know, a serviceably solid mystery premise here. You've got great actors. And I also I, I do think that there's, there's some interesting world building going on, particularly I like the idea that the city has gone nocturnal mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the sun is too hot in the daytime. But the film makes no use of that in a visual sense whatsoever. Half no, the scenes just, take place it just in the daytime. Tells you, yeah, it just tells you this, and then that's the end of it. Exactly. Yeah, they also still but enjoy anyway, their lives during the daytime, too, so it's like, you know. Yeah, so so there's no there's no use of this, um, uh, what I think was a kind of intriguing bit of world building. And so each of these, I think, could have been real strengths, but 
I think they ultimately botched in it. It does feel like the problem is rooted in the script. Because I, I imagine there were some studio notes that interfered with the process. And it's not that unusual for a studio to compel the filmmakers to go back and add expository voiceover for things they feel are too opaque sure. for audiences. Like Blade Runner famously did that. But this voiceover is so pervasive that I can only assume it, it was actually there in the original script. Yeah. So insofar as the voiceover is one of the what I think one of the worst aspects of the screenplay, I think the whole thing was kind of sunk from the start. And so like, like you say, I mean, it's future noir, which means that it's doing this dual task of integrating futurism and sci-fi principles right. while also framing that around old timey retro and nostalgia, right? Hence having Rebecca Ferguson be a lounge singer in a dive bar, right? These are direct nods to sort of noir of, of past. Mm -hmm. And that's meant to at least produce a kind of interesting visual extravagance of mixing like old architecture with bright futuristic neon sensibilities and this you know you would think it would let people play around with at least some interesting art design i'm not sure this film overall achieves that for me there are some interesting design elements around it being said in a city that's half flooded but nothing memorable i didn't think right. like like seriously is there anything worth remembering in this anything worth reminiscing over well, let this, me bring that to film? my uh, thoughts on the movie since i haven't talked yet about it i, yeah, uh, I similarly don't like the film um, but I, I don't think it's a complete misfire. It's just not very good overall. I will say this. It's better than Transcendence in the realm of people that kind of spiraled off from Christopher Nolan and did their own thing. That movie's sure. god-awful. This movie at least has ideas. It just doesn't execute them well, like you've been saying. And it has things that are of note in it. I just wish the you know parts added up to something. But in terms mm -hmm. of like... You know, me trying to recall things that happened in this movie, I saw it less than a week ago, and for a movie about memory, yeah, it's not very memorable, which is a shame, because you want to see, you know, a Warner Brothers movie, you know, with a decent budget that's original, trying to do something different, like, yeah, right. that'd be neat to see that happen in a way that feels, you know, anything of value, but, you know, this movie coming out late August didn't give me much hope to begin with, as far as that's concerned, and... It's a shame. There's a lot because I do think there is good stuff here. Like I, 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 I don't disagree that there's a lot that could be done with the world that's been set up here. But I do like the world they do set up. I like the idea of this sunken Miami that these characters exist in, and the way that kind of balances against the themes that we're watching. Um, mm -hmm. The 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 problems are. Hmm, let me back up. One thing. That I thought coming into this was the the time the runtime on this was marked as two and a half hours. It was mislabeled. This movie clocks in at under two hours, maybe like an hour forty. <laughs> I was like two something. and a half hours. <laughs> maybe maybe an hour forty something without credits. So by the time we're getting to like near the end of this movie, I'm thinking, so there's there's still another like forty five minutes. Like what else needs to happen in this thing? <laughs> so then it ended, and I was like, oh, all right. So that was wrong. I just didn't know what the runtime of this movie was. So it gave me like this weird perspective on like thinking there's going to be a lot going on in this, I guess. But as I was watching it, I so clearly like recognized the mystery story they were telling where there was just no surprise for this in me. Like, you know, even in the casting, there's only like so many characters. So it's like, well, clearly these are the bad ones. Like <laughs> clearly they're the ones that are involved in all of this. And I don't think it's actually trying to reinvent the wheel of storytelling. It's, you know, it's the movie's about nostalgia. So the idea that it has a plot that's reflective of the past noirs and how you can take that story and try to modernize it, like, I get that. But it just didn't leave me with much to, like, be, rant, be, be, be excited about as the story, like, continued moving along. 
and like you're saying, this narration's not helping me. The Hugh Jackman, I think, is fine here because I mean, everybody's fine. They're all movie stars that are good actors, like so. It's not surprising me that they're doing a decent job. But I did, especially given that he was in Greatest Showman with Rebecca Ferguson, they didn't have much chemistry in this movie, and so much of it is built on the nope. idea that he fell so hard for her that he can't like conduct his life anymore without going into his memory machine to relive the the you know the brief months that he had with May. And I'm sitting here thinking, we did not spend any time on this to make me think that I should care this much about this relationship, about this woman that's like just gone all of a sudden. I was like, dude, move on. Like, what? what you, there's, there's not a, there's nothing. You can't, Aaron. You but can't. There, but there's also there's just like nothing with that character with Nick the Nick Bannister character, great noir name, to like make me think that he needed this in his life because there's just nothing about this guy. Everybody's playing an archetype. But that only goes so far when you're not giving me much to work with, and this really doesn't. Um, you know, the rest of the cast again, decent enough. Andy Newton does a, she, you know, she gets to play like the muscle, which is like a fun way right. to go with this. That was and, fun. Yeah. And, it, and like that leads to a couple of like, there's like two big action scenes in this movie, which feels like a studio requirement. It's like, okay, do your noir thing, but you have to have like some action. And I do think the the two scenes that there are, one's like a gunfight, the other's this very long fist fight that I think is the most interesting part of the movie. Uh, they work well enough, but yeah, I mean, there's just, it's not, not a lot going on here that just, you know, it was, that was holding my, my attention as far as where the story is going to go. It's just more like falling into this, like, okay, here we go. Now reveal, now this, now that, and then we get to the end. So yeah, no, I, I agree with you guys as far as there's a lot offered, but not much sticks. Right. Yeah. You're, you're hitting the nail on the head, which is that the, the biggest problem I think is that the relationship doesn't, it's not made clear to us why they yeah. and how they came to fall in love because it's also fragmented. So, so there's one scene that I liked toward the end and it's kind of the big emotional moment involving Hugh Jackman. Can I give it away? He's speaking to a hologram. Can I leave yeah. it at that? Can, so let's just say right now, we all did not like Reminiscence very much, but we are going to spoil the movie because, hey, when are we going to talk about Reminiscence this long again? So, okay, if you don't plan to see the movie or you've already seen it, you can continue on. Go on. But come along for the ride. Okay, well, so 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 it's the scene in which he is interrogating a bad guy, and it's the last sort of, like, memory and existence of Rebecca Ferguson, and she is leaving him uh, clues and speaking to him through her memories, or, you know, uh-huh. I, you, you know the scene I mean. Yes. I thought that scene was... Um, that was kind of a good scene. And that's the scene to me that this film needed to earn. Yeah. Like that's the scene that deserved a much better movie leading up to it. I agree. For that payoff, right? right? The yeah. biggest problem is that the relationship between Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson is what needs to matter the most in the story. It's the emotional core of the story. So, okay, okay, there needs to be like this right. political intrigue on top of everything else, whatever. But the soul of this movie is him dealing with his grief and hurt because he really thought they were in love. And for us to follow the film through his perspective and understand his obsessive need to find out what happened, we need to have seen more of their romance and like understand the depth of it. Mm-hmm. And we don't. We have to infer that they formed a deep relationship or worse, be have that explained through us through stupid narration. Mm-hmm. And that's that just we, we don't yeah. have anything to grasp onto and i think that was a critical error too because right when you get to i, I it's kind of like the way that they structured the movie and the they structured the um the script it's like right when you're trying to get to like how hot and heavy their relationship was it's like 
by the way, we just want to remind you that this is all like in the in the past now. And it's like, you know, you're not really doing any favors by going back and forth and not really, again, like what we're all saying here, explain or even like show or make us feel that they were this was the light that was going to pull them out of the depths of the tunnel. You know, like there's just nothing about uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character that just says, hey, I'm going to be your guardian angel. I might be a bad guy, but, you know, I, I'm really going to be here to, to really help you um, and, and make life worth living again. It's like I, there's really nothing like that. I kept thinking there was t- going to be. That's what I was like. I was sitting there thinking, like, certainly something's going to drop at a point where I can, like, finally connect to what's going on here. Like, I, I can understand a movie that wants to, like, you know, throw me some pieces here or there just to get me intrigued and then, like, later on deliver something. But it just kind of skips to the end, like you're saying, Mike. It gets to the final beat. It's like... Yeah, uh, we yeah I I get that they're in love, but shouldn't we know why? Shouldn't we know more? <laughs> like wh- how why this factors in so much? Uh, I I to 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 be fair to be fair, seeing Rebecca Ferguson in, in a dress uh, is all I need to fall in love. Yeah, very uh, very but, uh, va voom. But in this context, I feel like uh, I needed more from Hugh Jackman. Well, especially <laughs> like the way that the movie ends too, and it ends on them like just on loop, right? And it's like, mm, how long were you guys actually in love for? Or like what you're saying, like, how long was this? Well, the, the, or this the idea story? that he commits to reliving this memory over and over again for like eternity, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, there's not much time. Like, wouldn't you get sick of this after a while? <laughs> you know, this, <laughs> it's like it wasn't this torrid romance. It was like a couple months where she like occasionally saw you. And I guess you guys had a good time. <laughs> like, It's not like, years yeah, long. And, it, it's, it's, and then she just disappears for very serious reasons. Like there's the context right. around all of this is also like horrifying when you like lay it out. So it's like, this is what you want to be nostalgic for? Like, you know, like seven dates like i just i don't get it yeah I, and again like we're we don't even know how long they, they it's like were a few months it's like, like that's it it's right. like a few months yeah. i think like danny newton has said like a few months yeah. yeah but i i also the other uh problems that i had here were thematically speaking the what you guys brought up earlier too there's like this political intrigue story and it's like i actually laughed at myself laughed to myself at the end of this movie when it's like and then the the word rang out that the proletariat was gonna rise up against like it's like are you talking about just Miami? Because that's the only place that I've seen in this movie. So I can only expect that Miami is the only place that had this uprising. I don't think that it was like globally or nationally. Uh, so yeah, no, it yeah, really I believe it's just Miami. That, yeah. Right. But it, it bugged me that they were just like, hey, let me like try and jam in some social unrest here. Um, along with this, like this story around just like what we're saying here, like these these neo-noir characters. I did like some of the set pieces as well. Like, not everything here is a dump. Unfortunately, like, even the set pieces to the script just isn't that strong either. There's like the, a scene with Daniel Wu uh, where they end at our bar fight. and this He's is the one thing that's fun in this movie, by the way. I, I, enjoyed, his, I enjoyed his character. Like, but I like yeah, that, that, that they Nolan's accent he has. Yeah, the Nolan's yeah, accent. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like, finally, it's like they decide to have fun. Yeah. Right. And he's like using he's using like uh, Chinese words with like his his New Orleans accent. And he's got this interesting backstory about how there's like another internment uh, at a certain point mm-hmm. in um, the, the near future. And it's actually just a really boring scene, too, because they only stay in that location. And the fight just centers around like a 12 by 12 room. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like there was. Maybe they just didn't have a lot here to do anyway, because 
that that scene ultimately just ends up being a nothing scene, which is unfortunate. But it's an excuse for action. Like, it's an excuse to have things. an action sequence. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, I'm saying, yeah, there's not, there's nothing there beyond like, well, we need another character to be like a red herring essentially. And we need to have some action in this movie to, you know, not bore you completely. <laughs> so it's like, that's right. why it exists. But I, I, I get what you're it's, saying. It's, it's like, not, yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't build It's not much. particularly well executed either as an action scene. No, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not it, as good it, as like the fight. The, I mean, it's just more of like, well, yeah, it, I, I agree with you. Like on the other action sequence, like the rooftop fight is, is probably more interesting because it goes on forever that's that was my main thing about it It just looks like everybody's tired which is my favorite kind of fight when you're fighting so long that you're just exhausted right but but also that that fight scene that fight scene with cliff curtis also makes use of like this is a sinking city yes right and so the 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 floorboards they're all kind of treacherous and i mean Mm -hmm. it doesn't make exceptionally good use of that but at least it kind of takes geography and takes uh, architecture into account in a in a unique way i think cliff curtis plays as a opposed real, to the cliff curtis plays a real bastard yeah. in this movie also <laughs> like he's like a terrible person um yeah and i and I, I always like cliff curtis i think he's a, a generally very good actor so it's like his great character actor his whole role of this is to be like the worst guy possible <laughs> and like he succeeds like he's yeah. constantly doing terrible things throughout this movie even like during that fight where he like Hugh Jackman's like, well, I guess I got to save this guy from drowning. He still kicks him down. He's still in the dick to him, I know. <laughs> and I was like, dude, this guy just saved your life, man. Uh, but I guess bad guy's going to be bad. I have a question. Uh, yes. This leads, leads to a follow-up question. But first up, did you guys like the memory device, like the whole technology involving how to do this thing and like how they would display it or whatnot? Mm. Yes and no. I, I you like mean the, like aesthetically? Yeah, like aesthetic, just like in general. Like in terms of like, here's the gimmick of this movie. We have a device that can delve into memories, and you have to get into a tank, and there's a, you know, a whole like, I guess some rooms yeah. it's a, what a projector, but like his version's like this virtual world thing. Right. Yeah, and that's what I liked about it is like how they they thought of these devices. But what I didn't like about it is, uh, the images that you're seeing. Because at one point, Thandie Newton and Rebecca Ferguson are having a conversation. And Thandie Newton leaves to go to the bathroom. And I was like, how would this next part play out? Because she's not there to witness it. So how are they seeing Rebecca Ferguson taking this key? Well, it's it's Rebecca Ferguson's perspective. But it's from Thandie Newton's memory. Is it? Yes. Yeah, I think I I had the same thought. I mean, I was like, I don't understand how this works. So like there there were some scenes with Cliff Curtis where I was like, "How, how is this being here? And then you see Cliff Curtis in the background just like, with his hoodie up but i i'd say like that's like the part that i didn't like so much is like this is very clean versus like something like minority report where he's like going through marx's memories like in the first part of the movie it's like this is very messy and like it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense and i have to piece it together that's that's fun and intriguing i well that does lead to my follow-up question which is I don't get how you have third-person perspective memories. Like, if you're in somebody's yes, memory, about to say. if you have some, yeah. if you have somebody's yeah, so, memory, so, you can't you can't picture yourself like as the cameraman shooting yourself and somebody else. Yeah. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. <laughs> you're you're in well, sense mode. You choose to be the first person or third person. Well, the thing is, they they explicitly bring it up why the memories are projected onto 3D holograms, right? And so. Uh-huh. And like you say, if memory is seen through someone's eyes, it should be first person. I don't really think anybody was too worried about that. I, yeah, I get that. It just it's don't a sci-fi me. conceit. Yeah. No, the thing is, you kind of have to roll with it. Plus, it's more visually and aesthetically sensible of course to is. show it to us this way in a film. But, okay, fine. But for some reason, they feel the need to 
offer this really hammy explanation for this issue that they should have left alone to begin with. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not that it's in 3D, and th- you know, sort of objective perspective that bothers me so much is that they included a scene that only confuses the matter further. There's also like a brief explanation on the difference between remembering something versus not paying attention to something, uh-huh. which I didn't quite understand either. The, yeah. the film is really kind of hinky with its logic. I feel like. Yeah. And and also like you know the video game qualities of it too are just like I get it, but also what we just mentioned there. Why are why am I seeing this in, in first person versus third person? And it's actually kind of like feels too video gamey at some points where it's just exposition dump. Well, I know like um, the, the cops have like the cheaper version. Like that's why there's right. a first person version. I just I don't understand how you could how how a more expensive version means. Well, now we have a whole different perspective on memory. Right. And I get yeah, I get that you have to just buy into yeah. it. I understand that, but you know it it just it kept sticking in my mind as far as like what like no one, right. how do you remember what? this this way? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think what what Abe is pointing out also, so so there's an inconsistency or kind of a something strange or inexplicable Loose, about looseness. the technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a looseness to the hard science of the of the physical technology they're working with, which makes it kind of frustrating. But in addition, and I think this is what Abe is getting at, it's also inconsistent. The film is inconsistent with its own sort of narrative presentation of of memory because there are times we see flashbacks just to fill the audience in on information, like that, when we see a. Yeah. a a glimpse of the past to accompany what someone is telling us versus when we see a flashback that's motivated through the use of the machine. So the concept of memory and whether it, it is or is not rooted in science here is really kind of inconsistent within the grammar mm-hmm. of the of the movie. And I, it's I, I, entirely, I entirely agree with you because the first time we get yeah. a flashback and realize it's not actually somebody in a memory, it's just them flashing back because the movie decided that's the case. It I, needed to. Yeah. It, yeah. I was just not as like that's that's not what this should be. And again, right. <laughs> I'm not saying Lisa Joy should have written it this way, but it's like the, the movie relies on the idea that characters can delve into memory. I I don't feel like it it's appropriate for this film to also have flashbacks on top of that. That's just that's both complicating the matter and also just sh- selling short your own premise at that point. So right. it's like what <laughs> you have you literally have a machine in the movie that can accomplish the thing you're doing uh, from a cinematic standpoint. What, what we should be right. melding that together yeah. constantly, not choosing it's, sometimes it's to use sloppy. the memory device and sometimes to use a flashback device, and then sometimes it's you know, you think you're watching a scene in the present, then it's like, oh, no, surprise, he's actually in the dream the whole, or the memory the whole time. Exactly. It's like, yeah. okay. And I, I get that part, part of that's obviously intentional as far as you're making a movie that needs to have this kind of aspect going on to increase the level of mystery and enhance the character yeah. in some way. But, you know, a better movie would be able to do that better. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. And I think that it, it actually got me to the point where I was thinking to myself, I would love – and this is not where the movie goes, but I would have loved if all of this was just socially constructed because they still needed the political intrigue from from uh, Hugh Jackman's character, like to to get these files that he has because he's like the one of like the the nicer guys that does like memory um, memory reliving, and so it would have been a, a great intrigue if Rebecca Ferguson was just never even a character, and it's just a const- a construct that they made that they incepted into his brain but i was like yeah, oh, yeah i don't it, think this movie's going that way well it's not um, it's not it's not not smart enough but it's not like it's not clever enough to try to pull that off it, that, it's, that's kind of what I was, it wants yeah. to be rooted in its 
in the noir, which is fine. Like, I get it. You're making this kind of like, it's a movie already about memory and nostalgia, and you're making a movie that stylistically is a throwback as well. I get what that is. But yeah, the Hugh Jackman's role in this, again, I think he's good in this movie, but like, he's Hugh Jackman. He's inherently nice. So it's, right. there's not much complexity there with him. Beyond him, I yeah. guess, getting angry because things that would anger anybody happen. Like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but like, he's not—he's not Ray Fiennes and Strange. He's not Lenny. He's not like morally conflicted anyway. Even the job that he has in a different movie, there would maybe be like a controversy involving this memory thing. Here, it's like, no, it's great. It's the best thing you can do. It's a business. We're all cool with this. Cops love it. Like, there's nothing right. wrong with this thing. So it's not, yeah. you know, like Strange Days. That's a movie I think that's successful as far as using memories as a weapon as well as a tool for, and a political tool, no less. Like it does, it does a lot of things with right. that idea where this movie's like, okay, I guess it's. Yeah. And, and getting back to your question yeah. earlier around like, what about this setup of this? Again, they actually, they, they're Lisa Joy and, and uh, I mean, she wrote and directed it, but I'm sure that uh, she might, she might've had some uh, notes from the studio and or anybody else. I actually do like the science behind like, well, we're going to inject you with, I think they say sodium pentothal, you know, the truth serum thing. Mm-hmm. And that's also like, you know, some agent to make you a little bit woozy and dizzy and, and more compliant. It's like, so there is like thought around how they did all this. There's just like a weird mismatch of, of uh, consistency. Like what, what, um, Professor Mike Dillon was saying. So it, it just overall just doesn't give you a feeling of wholeness, of completeness, of a complete story. And because of that, you know, you're just left with like, what, why did I watch this? Or what, what was I supposed to take away from this? And that that's like never the feeling that I would want from what we're saying here. Strong cast, strong ideas, or I mean good ideas, uh, but just a really boring and, and kind of like uh, weird execution. Like the political intrigue things, done better in um, – uh, Sin City, and then also done better in, like, You Were Never Really Here. You know, like, it goes all the way to the top kind of thing. And it's like, that that's... If you're going to put political intrigue in here on top of, like, this um, science fiction noir thing, it's like, do something with it, because I didn't give a shit about that kid. Like, not, not Freddy, but, like, you know, the real son. And I was like, I didn't give a shit about this or, like, uh, his mom. You know, and, like, I don't... There's there's nothing here for me to be like, yeah, I pff, he was a culprit from the beginning, but it's like there's just nothing about that character that I, I thought was strong or was memorable or gave me a feeling of um, adding more complexity to the movie. Yeah, I I, I kind of wish it would um, if it had been a bit more cyberpunk. Uh-huh. Yeah, That's sort of a reflection of my personal taste, but. You know, a cyberpunk narrative would have entailed a greater emphasis on like a corporate villain or I mean, there's a little bit of that with this commentary on haves and have nots here, mm-hmm. but it would have entailed a bit more of a narrative of resistance against a powerful structure. And this flirts with that, but it's still pretty provincial to like the simple mystery that he's trying to solve. Oh, of course, also missing from like a cyberpunk story would be uh, more cybernetics, but mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing to, to build off of what Aaron was saying about Hugh Jackman's inherent likability, it kind of brings a certain persona to the screen. Mm-hmm. One thing I did kind of like is that they kept the detective aspect of a traditional yeah. noir thriller, except that, except that instead of being a detective, he's, he's like a talented interrogator. Yeah. Right. right? And I, I would have liked to have seen more demonstrations of why he's considered the best in the business. I think they say he was a memory interrogator during the border war or the whatever. Right. What, People ironically like know, his what, narration. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> so, I mean, we're meant to interpret for ourselves what these sort of past conflicts were. But 
The idea that this memory machine was originally a weapon of the state law enforcement, but also for recreational purposes, that's kind of interesting in a world building kind of way. And so rather than simply treat him as a technician, I wanted to see what makes him such a talented interrogator over someone who isn't. We we see a brief moment when he's like a D.A., uh, interrupts the the interrogation and he's schooling him for mishandling the machinery or something. But that mm-hmm. scene isn't about the interrogation because that scene instead becomes him about botching the interrogation because he sees Rebecca Ferguson in the yeah. sc- on the screen, right? And he kind of right. loses track. And so, um, I feel like that char- that opportunity for kind of deeper characterization was missing. And, and in fact, and something uh, Abe said earlier. Uh, I found interesting as well in terms of this interplay between his memory and, and how loosey goosey we are about when we're in a flashback versus when we're in a machine flashback and things like that. I actually did think to myself during the film that because there are long segments of the film that we see and then Hugh Jackman emerges from the tub and then we realize, Oh, all of that was, you know, us being filled in on a memory. Mm -hmm. The thought I had was that, if the hokiest and most unnatural and, and voiceover heavy scenes took place in memories, which is why they're so exaggerated and uncanny. It's because that's how he remembers them. Yeah, But, the but then in the real world, in the real world, uh, if things felt tonally uh, different or better, then I would have found things a bit more forgivable. But that's obviously sure. not the case, right? Yeah, it's the, all pretty the film doesn't do that, flat you know? all the way through, yeah. yeah. By the way, a movie or a show in this case where they kind of use military interrogation techniques, but kind of out of the hands of the military now, uh, Watchmen with Tim Blake, Mel- Tim Blake Nelson, where he's yeah. just like, I'm going to go put this guy in this room here and uh, use these techniques and oh, uh, try and the get racism, him... the racism detector. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I have a I have a follow up question since Aaron brought up this question of whether yes. the machine itself makes sense. So. Um, part of the conspiracy that they're investigating involves a, like a woman who routinely comes to their water tank facility, right? She's like one of the regulars and she likes to relive this memory of, uh, her with a, with a past lover. And we learn that those memory files get stolen because they're stored Mm -hmm. on these plastic cards. So this woman's memories of this tryst with a lover are stolen because they contain sensitive information pertaining to a bigger conspiracy you guys remember this right yes yes so if here's my question if that information needs to disappear because there's stuff in it that's sensitive to somebody why aren't hugh jackman and pandy newton targets because they've seen this memory projected in 3d countless times which means their memories also store the information no can either of you well and i mean the logic i think for the movie would be that they they don't know what they're seeing to begin with where she has a you know a full-on child that's like a whole part of all this thing like i i i think i i think the film's not ready to reckon with the the kind of um spiral memory of a memory yeah or like the kind of the uh the snowball effect of all of this it's just like oh that's the one that's the one yeah. person that's the person involved it's also like a weird thing because um I guess you're selective with the memories that you show somebody, even though you're being guided to, because they skipped out on all the Rebecca Ferguson scenes getting yelled at by Cliff Curtis. Um, So, you know, like to your Aaron's point, you're just not sure what you're seeing. But, you know, I I would also. But but Hugh Jackman solves the mystery based on what he remembers. I know that voice somewhere. Right. So it's like. 
he, he it, it also helped that he's in the same thing to the same people. So. If if the villains were great villains, then Hugh Jackman wouldn't have solved it to begin with. <laughs> I mean, he can't. Not a now everybody's not everybody's not a genius here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think the other thing is also we have to keep in mind that you know Hugh Jackman he had to wear uh, that white hat. This has no relevance whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I if, if their solution was let's get the you know the hot wire burn victim to solve our problem for us, I mean, and, you know, they're not thinking of all their marbles. The hot way. wire burn victim. They're Sheesh. taking too much vodka. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, question? Yeah, something I wasn't clear about this. This whole thing about Hugh Jackman has a scrapbook full of drawings. Yes. With I guess notes about other people's memories. I didn't understand the significance of that at all. I just take it as like it's his own, the way that he's dealing with his own PTSD, because um, yeah. he had seen so much like weird shit in the when he was like interviewing, uh, interrogating these people at the border. So it's like great. I guess I'll just write down everything that I've seen here. It's it's almost like Al Pacino talking to to uh, Rob Robert De Niro and being like, uh, this woman put a baby in the microwave because wouldn't stop screaming. He's oh, talking yeah. to his wife about that one. Oh, he's like. <laughs> Hi, honey. Okay. I just got back. <laughs> he's sarcastic. I guess when he's talking to Robert De Niro, he's talking about bloated bodies. With and... uh, black eyeballs, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, They're looking at I, me I with black look, eyes, like a doll's so eyes. Well. Um, I, I will, you know, this is purely speculative, but... You know, no thinking the movie was two and a half hours going in, it does make me wonder if there's a version of which there probably, I mean, there definitely is because that's how assembly cuts work. But it makes me wonder if there is another version of this that was longer and has like the various gaps of logic in here, like slightly filled out more, like it's more about the journal, more about Hugh Jackman's past life or whatnot. That doesn't mean the movie gets a pass or anything. I'm just saying, like, it makes me curious if there was a version of this that was two and a half hours and that's what the runtime was before and then it got cut down or something like that. Would be and, and not yeah, surprising. I feel like. That would be a section that is probably expanded upon. Now, yeah, two and a half hour version. Maybe they could give us that exchange about tell me a story with a happy ending. Oh, release, no, there are no stories company. Maybe, um, maybe that exchange an additional three times in the longer version. <laughs> um, my question to you so, guys was kind of related to that, which is like, would this have worked better as like a ten eight episode HBO? miniseries I mean, or would it may i mean by default perhaps but at the same time i i'm more curious would i want to see that version and based off point. based off what this movie is which is mostly humorless uh you know very ponderous with the narration do i want an eight hour version of that like that has that replicates the exact tone of this i don't really think so uh even with the story <laughs> at hand it's not a very complicated story as far as the main thrust of the narrative goes so like stretch stretching that out over time also doesn't seem like a big plus to me. Like, could right. you t- could you take this world and make it into a series? Of course you could. You could do a lot of things, but... No, you can't because, you know, everything's going to fall apart because of all the mold. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, uh... I think I could tolerate, a, like, an eight-episode or ten-episode version if, depending on what they did to fill in the gaps that we're noticing mm-hmm. in the story and the characterizations, right? Um, like, so, so you know, like you just have more people, you'd have or... more characters, right? You'd have more of the low lives, you'd have more of Daniel Wu, you'd have more of Fandy Newton's sure. life. Mm-hmm. Well, Fandy Newton, Fan, Fandy Newton, 
Um, I think she gives the best performance in yeah. the film, yeah. by, by which I mean, by which I mean, I think she makes the most out of what's given to her. Yeah, I agree. Um, yes. And like, there is some investment in the bond that they have, the sort of platonic relationship. You do feel there's a lot of history there, and that mostly works. It's not remotely original, but it's one of the positive elements that just should yeah. have been developed more. So, so there's plenty of room to kind of flesh things out and take advantage of the long form if they if they went with it. Um, I, mean, I, I would be intrigued by it. That that relationship is exactly Serenity. I mean, that's Mal and um and Gina Torres' characters. I mean, it's it's that's what that and is. And also, speaking of your your cyberpunk part, um, Mike, it would have been great if she had a cybernetic arm, just like Jet Black in, in Cowboy Bebop. I mean, most characters, if they had a cybernetic arm, even in the even if it was like yeah, Renaissance time period, would be greater. Wouldn't we all? Yeah. yeah. Like um, like like if Shakespeare and Love happened, like you're watching that movie and suddenly like Ben Affleck shows up as the <laughs> stage manager and he has his cybernetic arm, you're like, oh, all right, that's part of the movie. No, but it's actually not. Uh, it's actually not um, uh, him. It's actually just uh, Gwyneth Paltrow that has a cybernetic arm. That works too. Yeah, and then Judy Dench sees her and she's like, gives him a thumbs up. Like, like of that's course. Why, that's, yeah. why, that's why she won the Oscar. That's why they both did. I'm sorry, Mike. Have, what you, you ask? have you have you guys seen the final cut with Robin Williams? I about. Know. Maybe 15 years old. No. Which one's the final? I, that's not the night listener because that's a different movie. Um, final no. cut is he. It, it's it's a futuristic world in which everybody has memory implants. Mm. That I, are I from, from the moment yeah, you're born. I, I didn't see this one. I remember and, this one though. Yeah. yeah, he he's this he's like a memory cutter or something. So when someone dies, mm-hmm. uh, he goes through their entire lifetime of their memories, and of course, like you get these eight hours a day of of just darkness because that's when people are asleep and he has to go through and cut out uh or or make an edit of this person's entire life to kind of focus on the nice things and then they play them at eulogies and things like that so he essentially produces these hagiographies of people by compiling their memories but he also has to sift through all of their dark secrets and keep them secret and and remove that from the final edit and so um and it's kind of like about the 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 burdens that that puts on him psychologically and you know, I remember liking that film all right. It sounds, uh, one, it sounds like one of his funnier movies. Up. Yeah, it was in that sort of like when he did one hour photo and where he would and, yeah. and uh, insomnia, insomnia where he would kind of toggle toggle between serious stuff and, and uh, like thrillers versus comedies. Mm-hmm. And like I I think I would have found him to Hugh Jackman, that is more engaging if we had any sense of what this line of work was doing to him psychologically. Right. Um, Which is what the journal, like Gabe, you were saying, is kind of like hinting at, but there's just not, there's not stuff, there's nothing, there's nothing done with it. I mean, even even like, uh, you know, this movie deals a lot with drugs too and addiction. And then in Newton, at one point, it's like, you're addicted to this thing. So, yeah, Mike, to your point, there's just not a whole lot there of them exploring, like, what this is really doing psychologically. Like, stop living there because you're going to die, kind of thing. You're going to, think that everything's fake it's gonna become a mal situation in inception well nothing's even like specified as what makes this bad beyond the idea of you're just sitting all day doing this there's nothing that well they can't go over 30 volts here even then even that thing is like barely touched upon just, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's used more as a it's used more as a punchline for when they deal with cliff curtis but like the the nature of you know you can't just be watching memories all day i'm not saying that i inherently don't know why but at the same time the film doesn't really give you a reason why not it's just like yeah it's bad for you i guess if you do it too long okay moving on well yeah I, it's, it's not just the sort of uh, addictive qualities of it that they do touch upon right and so that does tie into the drug use a little bit but i was also just more 
interested in learning about the psychology of someone who spends all of his time with other people's most intimate memories and secrets. Uh-huh. Like, does he feel does he feel burdened by them? Does he take on their their secrets and pain, or is he living vicariously through them because his life is relatively empty? And like, the film doesn't really care, and he pretty much just operates on one note throughout the whole film, which is just you know, where's my girlfriend? And it's, that's... it's wild because I've seen this happen very easily in other movies, like yeah. Dark City or even like The Crow. Like it takes like one scene for people to understand the idea of, of putting somebody else's memories onto another person without having to like have a deep level of explanation to it. And again, Strange Days is another like exact example of this as far as that's I mean, very much but... about the effects of these things have on people and what you do when yeah. you put other emotions inside of somebody else's body. A very wise thing was said in a family movie called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone where Professor Dumbledore is just like talking to Harry. He's like they're talking about the mirror of error said and she's like, hey, man, you can't do this because if you live in the past, you're never going to live your life essentially. And that's a very deep thought for a movie for families. But, you know, to Mike's point, that's kind of what I think, like, the thing that hurts this the most is what we discussed earlier. Hugh Jackman's character is just a nice guy. And he's just like, let me bring back nice memories for you. Therefore, I guess I don't have to deal with anything that's too dark because I just helped this guy remember he he had legs and could play with his dog. Um, You know, and this woman who has this affair, which is the best you know, thing that's happened to her in a while, but she just loves to miss. She loves. Uh, uh, she misses the 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 feeling of human touch or what have you, right? Like I don't know. Like, and it is unfortunate because it would have been cool to just be like, hey man, the more you do this, the more you're gonna like have memory loss, you know. And it's it you're just gonna become this uh, person that just has to go to a home or something like that. But no. No, there's no real downside to it. This would be a wonderfully dark a sequel to uh, Greatest Showman if, like, the circus is in rubbles and all he does, <laughs> all he does now is act as a vaudevillian who can tell you what you want to know about your memories and make you feel yeah. good inside. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way it goes. <laughs> Zach Efron's just a floating head in the background. Uh, see, you know, cybernetic harm, floating head, second most thing you need to have in these kind of movies. Everything, everything here is just working out to be a, a great Hollywood hit. Any other thoughts on reminiscence that we've talked about pretty thoroughly at this point? Uh, no, just go play Bioshock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, well, the one, uh-huh. the one bit of casting that really works is I think Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, I think she's perfect for this type of femme fatale role because she, I think she is one of the rare actors right now who really channels like a classical movie star look, like an old oh, Hollywood beauty. Interesting. Like like an Ingrid Bergman, or here she looks a lot like uh, Lauren Bacall. So mm-hmm. I'm 100% on board with the sort of film noir use of uh, Rebecca Ferguson. I think the movie wastes its opportunity to do more with her than to make her look sultry in a dress. But um, I think costume designers do know to put her in these really simple monochromatic dresses that really pop on screen. I think mm-hmm. um, like the stuff we've seen here is pretty great i think the yellow dress she wears in mission impossible during the vienna opera house sequence is like one of my favorite pieces of costume design yeah in the in the last decade so i'm i'm on board with that yeah my last comment everybody's not sweaty enough this is miami in a swamp area now you got to be sweatier throughout the day i mean well, again, the the night stuff it it throws that back, but you're not you're not necessarily wrong. But like Daniel Wu's whole thing is, I constantly hold a rag in my hand to wipe off my brow while I tell stories yeah, next, to my, my next, next to my next to my eels. So right. I mean, 
that that's his whole thing is 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 committing to how sweaty he is in the movie. Or Daniel Wu. Uh, all right. Well, when should people go and see this movie? Reminiscence currently available in theaters and on HBO Max. Mike, when should people be watching Reminiscence? They shouldn't. Skip it. Abe? Yeah, uh, this is a movie where you can probably watch it like on TNT with commercials. Yeah, you don't need to race out to see this or put this on your queue. Like when it eventually pops back up on HBO Max after its 30-day exclusivity and a couple months pass and it comes out on Blu-ray or 4K and you're like, oh, I never saw that. And then it pops up on HBO and you're like, I guess I can put this on. Uh, that's that's where this is this fit. Right, you know, right Would before, you watch it in parts at that point? It's like, and, oh, I'm going to stop here and do some laundry. I'll come I, back to it later. I don't watch things in parts. Uh, I watch things. Oh, you're I not like Abe. No, I'm not. I like watching things to the end. I, I get it. I understand some people need to, but you know that's that's not yeah. my thing. But in terms of like, hey, new West, new seasons of Westworld's coming on. All right, let's pop on Reminiscence real quick. I, I can do that. Oh, I see. Okay. Would you, would you say this is worth a look if you are invested in any of the actors in particular or the genre, or no, it doesn't even rise to Oof. that? I mean, that's a good question. It's the kind. I mean, if you're doing if you're doing like a run through on like a marathon of this kind of thing, you watched Inception, Blade Runner, Terminator, Strange Days, Dark City. And then you're like, I guess this one's here too, and I got some extra time. I might as well put this one else. <laughs> what if, what if, like, I I hate sci-fi, but I am a Cliff Curtis completist. I mean, he, yeah, he, this he, is he a great plays, He's a great Cliff Curtis right. role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's. I don't think it's the. It's a. It's not. A, I mean, well, I don't know. People like Hugh Jackman for various reasons. Um. So I think it's. It, there's. There's enough of him in this for sure. He's in like All right, well, Cliff Curtis fans. Cliff Curtis fans, this this might be the one for you. There you go. I mean, I think more honestly, it's like if you're a Brett Cullen fan, this is your movie. If you're no, if you're Brett, you're getting shortchanged because I saw Brett Cullen pop <laughs> up on here and it's like, oh good, he still has his Warner Brothers contract apparently, and uh, yeah, he just kind of comes and goes, <laughs> playing very old. It seems <laughs> like he's <laughs> like I know you know I know he's not a young guy, but like it seems like they aged him up for this movie. Yeah, I, I feel like that too. Mm. By the way, uh, just randomly, how many credits do you, uh, did you guys uh, think Brett Cullen has attached to him? Like offhand, how many cr- acting credits? Yeah, uh, acting credits. Yeah, he's a working character actor. I won't be surprised if he has like 150 credits. 150. Okay. Anything for you, Mike? Who's Brett Cullen? He's the old. He's the old he man. Kind of plays like coach, like a southern coach, and a lot of things. He's he's a poor man's Chris Cooper. Yeah, he, he, he's like the uh, the the dad at the middle of all this. He's the political yeah, he's the Baron. Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's Thomas Wayne in Joker, of course. Yeah, punches a uh, punches, he punches that guy out. In, yeah, he punches Joaquin in the face. Uh, no guess, offhand. Oh, um, forty thousand movies. <laughs> forty thousand is exactly correct. That is, it's one forty two. Boom! Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> We're not even in games yet. <laughs> All right. Well, we've talked all about reminiscence. Um, it's out there. So, with that said, let's move on. Let's what we should move on, Abe, to get to what? What time is it? Oh, Aaron, I think it's actually time for legitimate games now. Playing a real melody this time. <laughs> that was actually the sound that actually plays when you first put on the headset to get into the dunk tank. Mm-hmm. Also, how how often they change that water in that dunk tank? It's all it's not water. That's for one thing. It's it's, oh, mostly, it's, no, it's, it's mostly sweat. It's mostly sweat and saliva. Sa- saline, saline. Uh, it's, gross. 
It's it's uh, they bought off eBay the pod juice from Minority Report. Put it in here. <laughs> the pod juice. Uh, yeah, I mean they needed that Milky Way substance. In eBay's the, still in, a thing, right? Uh, I've got a game sh- for you guys. The shipping fees are ridiculous, though. I mean, <laughs> I mean you're shipping water. It's crazy. It's heavy. Through water. How uh, do you get there? <laughs> I mean, you're telling me. We got to ask. Do they have airports yes. in this future? Like, is there an airport somewhere in Miami? No, they they probably just all like have seaplanes. Oh, like I was gonna uh, say, it's seaplanes, right? It'd be yeah, it'd be like yeah. it's tailspin. They live in tailspin. It's tailspin, exactly. It's blue the yeah. bear in tailspin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad our minds went to the same yeah. character. Oh, yo. <laughs> I've got a game for you guys this week. It's called What was I looking for? What was I looking for? Oh, yeah, that that's what I was looking for. Uh, this is where I'm going to read you guys a clue. I want to see and... you spell out that whole title with ellipses and pauses and everything. <laughs> you know that I did that. Um, this is where I'm going to read you guys a clue from a movie, and I would love for you guys to tell me what the item that I'm talking about is. It's probably an item that people are looking for that is missing, that is hard to find, uh, whatever else. So there's but, some um, kind of object so... from a movie that we need to identify. Yeah. Okay. Are we identifying the MacGuffin from each movie, or just a random object? Are identifying? Well, you're actually identifying the object that I'll be talking about here, so hopefully not a MacGuffin. I think we'll probably pick it up as we go along, but so we'll yeah. buzz in with our names and go from there. Got it. Exactly. First things first. It's small, round, and signed by the Sultan of Swat, the Great Bambino, Babe Ruth. Aaron. And Aaron. A baseball. A baseball is correct. Yes. It is in. Wow, how, how specific to film? <laughs> well, it's from, uh, it's from The Sandlot. <laughs> it's from The Sandlot, yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's, uh, the rest of the clue plays out like this, Mike. And it's in the mean old neighbor's yard, played by blind James Earl Jones. Um, all right, next one here. In the city of Tannis, in a secret chamber called the Well of Souls, is where you'll find this item. Aaron? Uh, Mike. Aaron? The Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant is correct. From Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, from Raiders. You gotta be there a certain time of a certain day. Have the uh, the head of the staff there, too. They're digging in the wrong place. <laughs> the next one here. Dimitri and Jopling are looking for M. Gustav and Zero the Lobby Boy in order to find this painted item. Aaron? Aaron? Boy with Apple? Boy with apples, correct. <laughs> yes. What's that from? The Grand it's Budapest from, Hotel. Uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, Boy with apple. I was that was like my favorite one that I wrote. I was trying to think uh, of the, except... the name of the painting. <laughs> yeah. I just like uh, I just like um, uh, Dimitri, who's played by tall guy Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody's like, what the fuck is this? When he sees that the painting is missing. Uh, the next one here. Jules and Vincent have been through a lot to, uh, of trouble to get this item back in Pulp Fiction. Mike. Mike. Uh, Marcellus Wallace's 666 briefcase. That is correct. You had much more than I, what I was anticipating. Uh, but yes, yeah, the briefcase. People Could say it. People say it. People say it holds his soul. Eh, Could have just been his boss's dirty laundry, like what Jules said, or like what Vincent said. No, I think I it has a, no, I think it has a small lamp inside that emits a glowing light. That's that's probably the right answer. That's unambiguous. Yes. <laughs> uh, next one here. What a night for Marty McFly and Doc Brown, who have to travel back to 1955 to, to recover this item from the hands of Biff Tannen. Mike. Mike. 
uh, well, we're we're talking the sequels, right? So it's the uh, Sports Almanac. Yes, it is the Sports Almanac. I'm gonna give that to you. Do you remember like the publisher? It, the, you already have the point, but do you remember the publisher? Uh, no. Aaron. I ha- I own it because it's an iPad case that I have and it's wonderful, but I can't think of its name offhand. It's Gray's Sports Almanac. But uh, yeah, Mike, you got that one. The next one here. You might have to travel to San Francisco Bay Area and specifically to a prison turned tourist attraction to find these green pearls. Mike. Mike. Oh, guys, it VX? Is that the gas? These uh, green yes, pearls? Yes, yeah, yeah, you said the, the VX gas. gas. I was like, yes. it, the VX gas, yeah. Next one here. You want me to shove this in my chest? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you spaz out so hard you break your own back. But that's before your skin burns off. Or <laughs> uh, the next Vaporized. one here. <laughs> Speed, Godspeed. That's right. Vaporized. Vaporized. <laughs> These are good Cajun impressions. Uh, the next one here. You'll have to go to Cyberdyne headquarters to find these two items under lock and key. Aaron? Uh, Mike? Uh, do you want to split it? <laughs> I mean, Aaron did buzz in first. Okay. The um, the T-800 chip yeah, from yes. the, in the head and the T-800 arm. That is correct. Yes. Uh, visiting hours are from 9 to 5, guys. So we're just doing quotes for all the movies that we do. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Uh, the next one here. To be honest, no one knows where this little garden item is anymore. Amelie's flight attendant friend may have just run off with it. Mike. Mike. Uh, Expedia Garden Gnome. Yeah, I guess it did get branded by Expedia, but yeah, the Garden Gnome. <laughs> That's right, they took Mike. it over and they gave it a voice, too. Remember when that was original in that movie and it was like, this is so fun, and like the, the <laughs> father keeps seeing the, the gnome and it's like, how is this gnome? happening? What's going on? <laughs> I was like, I got more photos. I don't, how did he get to Russia? And then it became a punchline in, in Up in the Air. And uh, it's like that French movie. <laughs> uh, the next one here. In some old bookshop run by some grouchy old man, on the cover of the book titled The Neverending Story is Mike. where you'll find Mike. The Auron. Yes, is that is Mike. correct. The medallion worn by the childlike empress. Hey, bit of trivia. You mentioned yes. the uh, the mirror in Harry Potter, the first You're Harry Potter. It. Yeah. You know that is directly lifted from Neverending Story, the the novel anyway, not the. I uh, did not know that. Yeah, I've never book. read the novel. Yeah, yeah. There's one of the tests that Atreyu has to go through in the novel, but they didn't make it into the film. Is a is like a gateway or a mirror, and the only way to get through it is to not want to get through it. Oh. Another unoriginal. Well, there are two idea guards. From JK one of them Rally, can only lie. So. J.K. Rowling's got little, little, little got some, plagiarism streak. Got some explaining to do. Oh man, this is the first bad thing I've heard about her. <laughs> Why? What else is it? <laughs> At the first, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, the next one here, just a few more. Before the Power Stone was given to the people of Xandar, it was found by it was found by Peter Quill in an orb on this planet. The, the item is a planet. Uh-huh. No, I mean, this one I fucked up. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> is it just, like, uh, Power Stone, Soul Stone? It's the Power Stone, but do you remember stone? the name of the planet? Aaron. Aaron? Is it Morag? Morag is correct. Okay. God. <laughs> that, that, and then we get back on track. <laughs> uh, that is here. 
Arnold goes through a lot of trouble hold, versus Hold on, hold on, stop. Yes? Stop the fucking stop. You're calling me you just told me about a deleted scene from the never ending story to reference a mirror from Harry Potter. <laughs> it's not and a I deleted scene. It's not a deleted scene. It's from the novel, so I'm not it's a nerd. I'm just oh, okay. I'm sorry. The novel. It wasn't in the movie. Way to brush up your I'm glasses before you told me that not, one. Not, not he's geeky. a professor. He's not a, he's not a, yeah, I'm a sorry. wizard. I'm sorry I recalled the name of a planet from the most popular movie franchise in the world, Mike. That's really nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one here. Arnold goes through a lot of trouble versus Sinbad to find this toy Aaron. in the Christmas classic jingle all the way. Aaron. Turbo Man. <laughs> He needs a turbo man. Stop pissing that guy's wife's cookies. Um, Put the, the cookie down. <laughs> Classic Phil Hartman. Uh, two more. Uh, it's a tight race, by the way. I but know. Between you two. There's any of the turbo man points. <laughs> <laughs> the next one here. Deep in the deserts of Agrabah in the Cave of Wonders is where this magical Aaron, item rests. Mike, Aaron. The lamp. Lamp is <laughs> magic correct. Magic lamp. Magic, magic lamp is correct. All right. Here we go. Deep in the bowels of Inantech is where you'll find Milton and this prized office possession. Aaron. Aaron. His red swing line stapler. His red swing line stapler is correct. Aaron came on strong because he felt the pressure from Mike. <laughs> Aaron, you did win this game, but it was eight to five. At one point, you guys were six to five. It was very close. Yay. And that's how you play. <laughs> what was I looking for? What was I looking for? Oh, yeah. That's what I was looking for. Minus the Morag question. <laughs> He's looking for a whole planet. I get it. Yeah, I guess. Well, thanks for that game, Abe. You're welcome. Um, yeah, well, let's move on now. Let's get some enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go to the various questions and answers on the Facebook page. Facebook.com slash not podcast. There's no more questions than our listeners, and they give us some answers. And, yeah, no questions this week from the listeners, but feel free again. Always ask some questions. We're always happy to answer some stuff on here. Yeah, like what is your, who is your daddy, and what does he do? Exactly, uh, exact question. Mm-hmm. The first question is uh, for everybody here today. Uh, what sci-fi films feature a very believable portrayal of the future? Jeff has Demolition Man, of course. Uh, Luke, <laughs> Luke Thompson, friend of the show, has Idiocracy uh, and Threads, uh, the one possibly causing the other. And lastly, Chris has her. Mike, what are some believable portrayals of the future you've seen, you think? Wait, so your readers are being, your listeners are being ironic, right? Idiocracy is... Mm-hmm. Luke, guess, okay, no, so, Luke, probably, yes. Yeah. Uh, Children of Men, I can see us headed down that road, Oof. although it's got it's got kind of a fantastic premise of um, infertility, but in terms of society kind of coming unmoored, yeah, I can see. Yeah, the most believable thing future. in that movie, Killer Coffee. It's a dark joke. Mm-hmm. It is a dark joke. Because bombs. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are some other believable futures? Give him a hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the car, uh, the Cars universe where we all die off and cars take over. It seems very This awesome. makes the most sense because they still just go to Route 66 to go hang out. Yeah, before the cars take over, though, of course, the apes take over. So the apes universe as well. Has to. Well, that that makes actually a lot of sense too. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 we die off, the apes take over, and then the cars come back to life and take over from the apes. Right. Um, and then lastly, obviously, um, the novelization was better, but the road, because you know people are terrible. 
<laughs> some bleak readings of what we think yeah. of the future society <laughs> is going to be. <laughs> I mean, we we're living through coronavirus times, man. Come on. All right. Well, the next question we have: Who is your favorite cinematic femme fatale? Uh, Todd has Jessica Rabbit from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, Chris has Faye Dunaway in Chinatown or Gloria Swanson in Sunset Boulevard. And Peter has Jessica Rabbit. A lot of Jessica Rabbit love. That my default tends to be uh, Barbara Stanwyck in Double Indemnity because Double Indemnity is fantastic. There you go. That's um, a strong one. My my favorite noir of all time, um, American noir, is uh, it's called Out of the Past. Good one. It's mm-hmm. with Robert Mitchum. Yeah, 1947. And so Jane Greer is the main femme fatale in that. And I just, I love, I love this movie. So that would Jane. be my entry. Like Jane it. Greer. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Le Femme Nikita. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, in, it's in the title of the movie. Uh-huh. What's next? Re- Rebecca Romaine in the movie Femme Fatale from Brian De Palma. <laughs> uh, the next question here is, who's your favorite neo-noir hero or lead? Chris has John Wick and Ryan Gosling in Drive. Do you guys have any neo-noir heroes? I... Uh, what's his... Not Jack Vincennes. What's... um. What's uh, Russell Crowe's name in, in L.A. Confidential? Uh, uh, Bud White. Bud White, thank you. Bud White. Uh. Bud White. Um, uh, I mean, Jake Giddes is kind of obvious for Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I do I do like the Ray Fiennes-Angela Bassett combo in Strange Days quite a bit. I think they're really – Lenny and uh, Mace. <laughs> they're, they're, they're really good Lenny together. Lenny and Mace. Yeah. Good names. The nice guys. All of them? Yeah, both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to uh, throw in a Killer Joe. Killer so, Joe. So McConaughey. Go. I'm going to throw in Killer Joe and one of, one of Mark, Crawler. One, one of so Marcus Robinson's favorite movies. <laughs> Killer Joe. <laughs> I'm also going to throw in Night, Night, Nightcrawler to give you these sort of non-detective, uh, traditional detective noir. There you go. Creepy movie. I'm trying to think of some others. Neonor Heroes, Canada, but that's techno. <laughs> yeah, techno. Light right? bikes. Techno works. Yeah, sure. Uh, but what's Michael Michael Bean in Terminator? There you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, wearing is he wearing Nikes? He puts on Nikes in the beginning, right? Yeah, they're Velcro Nikes. Yeah, there you go. Because he couldn't tie his laces. They don't. They exist in the future. <laughs> Oh, 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 my God. How did I almost forget this? Uh, Denzel Washington in uh, uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. Devil in a Blue Dress, okay. <laughs> Sitting here not go. thinking of one of, my, one of the best movies. <laughs> you uh, guys think Collateral holds up? Michael Mann's Collateral? Very much so, I do. Yeah. I, I haven't it, seen it in a while. I like it. It's not the, uh, not the best 4K because of how he shoots with digital cameras and the nature of it at mm-hmm. that time versus what a 4k transfer does when he's not overseeing every aspect of it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, what are you doing with my roof yet, bro? <laughs> I have a, yeah, I'm big on, a, yeah. on, uh, a... I know Aaron's also, Aaron's also a fan of, uh, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Right? Oh yeah. It's his yep. favorite movie. He it watches is. every Christmas. I haven't watched it in a while, actually, at this point, but, um, it, oh, oh, it's a Christmas movie. it is, it is a good one. Yeah. All right. Next question okay. we have here: uh, Who are your favorite Girl Fridays, which are like female helpers in film? 
Uh, Chris has n- Newt and Aliens. I mean, <laughs> she definitely helps Ripley. <laughs> Does she, though? You know, by saying, or Ripley! I think mean, she informs them that they mostly come out at night, mostly. They come at night, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> She's got that doll with no head. Come on. Any any Girl Fridays offhand? Mm, yeah, obviously Friday and Iron Man. <laughs> Fair enough. Come on. Uh, I did mention Mace already I from mean, Strange Days. This is a big Strange Days heavy episode. <laughs> Ro- Rosalind Russell. Yeah. In his, his girl Friday. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> we successfully smashed that question. Uh, the next question is, what assassins would Abe have a tough time evading? No answers here, but obviously I'm going to have a tough time evading anyone from the FP. I, I suppose so, yes. Yeah, you wouldn't I mean, They're able. all out for you if you, you have Listerine. You wouldn't be able to beat them off, that's for sure. One eight seven. I mean, other assassins that I would have a tough time evading. That you would have a tough time evading. I mean, mm-hmm. let's see. Now I should really think about this. I was hoping to get some great answers <laughs> on this question, but I didn't get too many. Uh, possessor. The the possessor situation I think would be really difficult because they you know possess so I'm you. A, I'm a little. I'm lost on the premise of this question. Is Abe like really adept at evading assassins? Yes. No, it's kind of just more like a fun question. Just, like, Abe, extra don't, don't, don't sell your don't sell yourself short here, okay? I'm I'm excellent at it, Mike. I'm excellent. My other job, you know, the movie Black Rain, based off of me. <laughs> Was it Black Rain or Hard Rain? Whichever one, Michael Michael Douglas. Is That's in. Black Rain. What is Hard Rain? Hard Rain's of Christian Slater and Morgan Freeman. Where they, not, as, not as interesting? Uh, Hard Rain's amazing, for one thing. But, uh, okay, all right. It's, a, it's about, I would say it's about the same as Black Rain as far as quality goes. <laughs> they, do, they do the job. There's a lot of, a lot of rain talk, too. <laughs> Abe, why are so many assassins after you to begin with? That's a good question. So, yeah, no, I, I stole an amulet. Uh-huh. Um, and what this amulet does is it actually allows the world to have water again. Because this amulet is actually the key to having dragon brothers and sisters come back into the world and allow everybody, everything to prosper. Because, you know, everything's just on fire all the time. So, you know, I, I have to take this amulet and keep it with me. Well, you're not doing much with it uh, if I'm watching the news. This is true, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how to activate Maybe. it. So. My my father, who turned into stone, um, told me how to keep it safe. But I think that he was just trying to keep it safe. He didn't actually. Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> I'm describing a movie. You need to get you need to get yourself to the continental, otherwise. You're gonna get got. Uh, well, okay, that was good. Uh, these are good answers to the question. Are they? <laughs> yeah, you know, we described Brand of the Last Dragon and John Wick. Uh, okay, the next question: What's the? This is a reference to the protege. What's the, What's the premise of a buddy film featuring Michael Keaton and Samuel L. Jackson? I mean, wouldn't this just be the nice guys before Will Ferrell and, and Mark Wahlberg you show mean the up? Other, the other guys? Or, yeah, the other guys. Oh, uh, so it's like before Keaton got promoted to captain, he and Jackson used to be partners together? 
Yeah, and then he's like, oh, I got promoted. Now you've got a new partner. His name is The Rock, and you guys can go do your thing. But his name it, the, they're actually just singing TLC all the time, and that's why he gets stuck in his head as captain. Oh, that, so they rode around in cars together, like, listening to TLC while, yeah. while on the case. And at one point in the middle of the movie, he raps along to Left Eye's rap in Waterfalls. All right. Yeah. Douglas, or, or Keaton could do that for sure. I think that's what we're going with. The, next, the last question here. Uh, what are some great films about characters stuck in a big house alone? Is this in relation to <laughs> not, uh, house? Not Woman obviously, in the Window. Obviously the Paw Patrol movie. Um, yeah. yeah, not Woman in the Window, because that movie is bad. Uh, let's see. Movies with characters. Uh, Repulsion. Repulsion. Okay. Repulsion. Good, good Paul. Repulsion. You're not going to go with um, Suspiria. Well, that's he's not alone. Mm, okay. He's in a dance. Class also, studio. not a house. It's not a house. It's a dance studio. <laughs> dance studio. Yeah, right. A lot of people. Now, alone, alone, by yourself. Well, clearly, there's some kind of threat happening. So, just in gen, in a more general sense, it it's not like you and your friends are there. It's you're by yourself, and some outside intruder comes in. Like, say Drew Barrymore is alone in her house at night, and she's trying to make popcorn for her boyfriend, and suddenly, oh no, Ghostface. Oh well, what's her boyfriend's name? Steve. Okay, all right. He, he plays football. Oh wow! Hmm. Not this anymore. He didn't have he didn't have the guts to go varsity. Ha ha ha! So, <laughs> can it be? I mean, you're trapped in the house or like panic room? Would that work? I mean, yeah. That, I mean, are you trapped due to circumstances, or is it more of a like an existential? You're asking, I can't leave. Like you're asking me as if like, man, I've mapped out the exact scenario this needs to be in. When it's a very general question, yes, you could go for a, cere- a cerebral premise if you want to as well. Um, a ghost story. That's cerebral. There you go. There you go. Yeah, he's he's stuck in that big house or that little house alone through like 300 years. Um, How about the uh, the house the house of the devil? T. T- t- Ty West movie. Ty West? You're going to call him T. West? I was going to say T.I. West. It's like, that doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah. He's not, uh, not T.I. Harris from Ant-Man. <laughs> I'll add in um, the last, uh, thir- well, technically the whole movie, but the last 30 minutes of Hereditary. Sure. Yeah. He doesn't know what's crawling on the walls. It could be his mom. Could not be. Spoilers. It was, it was oh, I got a, I got a classy, I got a classy one. Uh-huh. Rear, rear window. Rear window. Yeah. As you get down the stairs. I mean, it's an apartment. So... <laughs> oh, all right then. All right. Fine. How about this one? How about home alone? There you go. Eight years old yeah. by himself. Yeah, but we want to talk about good movies. That's that's that hurt my feelings. <laughs> I watch this movie every Christmas. Are you going to watch the new Disney Plus Home Sweet Home Alone? Yeah, because it has a kid from Jojo Rabbit in it. Is he in it? Not not, not the main kid, his buddy oh. with the glasses. Oh, well, that's... I mean, like, it's not a good time oh, to be a Nazi. That's, for, that's better. For, for a movie that I will very easily just put on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, okay, that fits, I guess. Yeah. Got me all Tracks. excited for some reason for the JoJo Rez, like as if, as if I need to like desperately follow his career. <laughs> <laughs> He's got time. All right. All right. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. We've got away from the oh. subject. Mike, did you come up with something? <laughs> for being stuck in a room? Yeah. Stuck in a house? Yeah. Uh. I mean, he had panic. 
How about how about the original Night of the Living Dead? There you go. That's good. There you when, go. When it's, yeah. just, when it's just Barbara at first, she's all freaking yeah. out because she sees at the top of the stairs a dead body. That would scare me. Yeah. Well, brains yeah. all hanging out. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. All right. Yeah, it's about. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, it's nighttime and there is guess what? Living dead happening. It's crazy. What? I know. It's a twist ending. On that one. Wow. Uh, all right. Well, that that is gonna do it for now. It's a reliable yeah. title in that way. Yeah. <laughs> you see Dawn and Dawn of the Dead too, and it's you know the, despite them being underground, a lot of the times it is day during the Day of the Dead. That that was a good that's a good thought experiment. <laughs> on the Land of the Dead, they are in fact on land and not on a boat or something. So you know that also helps. Does it take place during day? No, but there's no mention of the time frame. It's, what it's, a, what it's, a, it's largely at night I mean, in Canada. Yeah. Because the days are too hot and flooded. Exactly. That's what. Yeah. That's that's why Dennis Hopper made that whole building by it's very it's air conditioned all the time. That's why John Leguizamo was all pissed off. He's like, I gotta stay out here in the heat when I can. Be what are his What are his bills like every month? Jeez. Well, he owns the place. He so you know. It doesn't mean that he can you know stop paying his he's bills. A baron. Uh, yeah, he's a baron. But I, I don't exactly know how the you know m- m- monetary process works in a world of the living dead at that point. So. <laughs> So that was feedback. Feedback, <laughs> feedback. <laughs> that is going to do it for this week's episode about Now Thurner Dave. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing at Wise to Blue for Blu ray Criterion reviews and Wheel of Entertainment for movie reviews, as well as my coverage of The Walking Dead, because that show just started up again. And I just put out a variety article about Don't Breathe 2, talking to the sound team on that one. And I'm on Aaron's, I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over on my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag Infinity Memory Lane. My. <laughs> that's, uh, that's where she works. Professor Mike Dillon, anything you want to plug? Nope. <laughs> uh, nothing. All right. But, yeah. uh, but, but go, go uh, show some love to a healthcare professional. There you go. There you go. You can find all the other episodes about now with their name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and H-H-W-L-O-D. Feel free to email us at outnotpodcast at gmail.com. Right on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnotpodcast, or tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, there's our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. And stay tuned for more contests in the future. I will be sure to try to get some stuff up going. But, yeah, we will mm-hmm. get the winners, their prizes, uh, very soon as well. Uh, Mike, Dylan, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Sunny Chiba, R.I.P. Very much so. R.I.P. indeed. Um, yeah. But uh, next week we'll be talking Candyman, the new film from director Nita Costa, producer Jordan Peele. But until then, until next time, so long. And goodbye. Yeah. We had a plan. We wanna go.